Welcome to the Accord Research Alliance podcast, where we talk with innovators who are committed to measuring what matters in Christ-centered relief and development. My name is Kristen Scheck, Program Evaluation Coordinator at Water Mission and one of the hosts of this podcast. Today I share with you a recent conversation I had with listening, monitoring, and evaluation analysts Josiah Meningini and Rebecca Menser from Hope International. Both Josiah and Rebecca work on the listening, monitoring, and evaluation team at Hope. And in the podcast today, they share their framework for monitoring and evaluation and some of the tools and resources they've developed and used to support that framework. Josiah and Rebecca, it's great to have you both on the podcast today. Thanks, Kristen. Good to be with you. It's great to be here. Great. So today, what we're going to explore with y'all is the framework for monitoring and evaluation that you've developed and used at Hope. Um, But before we do that, I'm wondering if either of you could give us just a brief overview of Hope International and your mission and vision at the organization. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So our mission at Hope is to invest in the dreams of families in the world's underserved communities as we proclaim and live the gospel. So we do this by sharing the hope of Christ as we provide biblically-based training, saving services, and loans. So at this point, we have the privilege of serving over 900,000 clients in 15 countries. And there are two main ways that we serve, two methodologies that we use. One's called a microfinance institution. So essentially, we are a bank to those that would not be served by traditional banks. So we provide loan capital and training and discipleship opportunities for entrepreneurs that have existing businesses. And we also have savings and credit associations where we partner with church denominations at the national level to form savings groups as an outreach and ministry of the local church. Last year, we celebrated our 20th anniversary as an organization and we are really grateful for the grace and provision God has shown us over the last 20 years. That's great. Thanks for sharing that and for the very important service that you all provide. Would you guys also mind sharing a little bit about yourselves, um, how you came to Hope, and what you currently do in your role? Sure, yeah. So um, I came to Hope uh, through an internship. I went to Covenant College. Um, They have a fantastic community development program. Um, That's kind of what drew me there. Um, and I was, they, as part of the program, they have a, a mandatory um, internship uh, between your junior and senior year. And I was going to go to Center for Community Transformation in the Philippines. Um, and it so happened that Hope had an internship lined up with them because they're one of Hope's strategic partners. So um, I ended up applying for that internship and kind of got to know Hope a little bit better through that. Uh, came to, we have an annual leadership summit um, and got to come here and kind of meet a bunch of different people from across the network, hear kind of the heartbeat of hope, and that's where I really um, kind of fell in love with the mission and, and the vision of providing Christ-centered financial services. Um, so since then, um, I, I finished my internship, ended up applying for a job, and, and started working as the first uh, full-time M&E um, person on the, at the HOPE team here. Um, and then it's been uh, coming up on five years now, um, and I've started kind of looking into some of the other aspects of, of feedback loops beyond just kind of the initial data collection, starting to think a little bit more about uh, how do we take this and integrate this into operations. So uh, using some tools from design thinking um, and from uh, just like human-centered design methodology, stuff like that. Um, so that's been cool, cool way to explore and, and kind of branch out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Very cool. How about you, Rebecca? 
Yeah, I also came to Hope through an internship when I was in college. I spent a summer in the Dominican Republic serving with Hope's partner there, Esperanza International. I've always loved research and wanted to use that to serve people well. And through my time in the field, my passion was really deepened for um, understanding how we can better serve the clients that we have the privilege of walking alongside. I think oftentimes um, we can celebrate and rightfully so celebrate the standout stories of impact. And I'm just really passionate about going beyond those to understand like what is the average impact in the lives of our clients? And for those that may be struggling, how can we better serve them? I have been at Hope now for two and a half years, um, the last year and a half of which have been on the listening, monitoring, and evaluation team. Um, and in my role, I focus on supporting the administration of our core listening tools and working alongside our great global team. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks for sharing your passion for research and service with us today. So now I'd like um, for us to kind of get into more about how you all approach evaluation at HOPE. So started talking about that a little bit uh, just in your intros, but I'm hoping you guys could illuminate for us uh, the strategy or framework that you use to, to do this at HOPE. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of strategy and more generally our approach to evaluation at HOPE, um, we've made a decision as an organization that our listening efforts are focused more on improving uh, the lives of the clients that we serve rather than proving or assessing impact. And one thing that we celebrate in terms of our approach is that we believe listening, monitoring, and evaluation is part of the ministry, not just an evaluation of the ministry. And we are really excited about stories of enumerators that have come to faith in Christ in part due to their engagement in um, participating in the survey and clients. Um, one comes to mind in Ukraine, Sergi, who came to follow Christ after participating in one of the surveys and had a lot of questions when we were discussing the spiritual aspect of his life. So we're really excited that God uses this listening as a way to uh, serve and meet his people. In terms of a bit more of the nuts and bolts in terms of our approach, the mission for our team is better understanding our stakeholders and Hope's relationship with them in order to improve mission fulfillment. How that plays out, um, we have a three-pronged strategy. First, starting with building expertise of our team based in the U.S. and globally in terms of evaluation approaches, and then building interest. Our desire is that we would continue to grow as an organization to value listening and to be excited about that. So we want to market our opportunities for listening to programs um, in a way that they are eager and excited to participate. And then the last one is building capacity. Think over our journey in evaluation. We have recognized it can be easy to create a machine that is more um, run or housed at the U.S.-based or headquarters level, and we're really passionate about uh, empowering our local staff around the globe to lead administrations and analysis processes. A couple of ways that that plays out for our team, we have five outcomes that we focus on um, and that drive our specific goals over the year. The first one is that um, we hope to see stakeholders making data-informed decisions, and stakeholders for us include uh, a broad variety of individuals. At Hope, we have four main stakeholder groups. Those are our clients, our institutional and church partners, our staff, and our donors. Uh, our second outcome is that stakeholders are using feedback loops for timely and effective listening. 
and that the LMNE team develops unity and expertise with our global team. Our fourth one, that LMNE and our stakeholders plan and allocate resources effectively. And last, that our stakeholders better understand and value LMNE, which goes into culture building. So that's a bit about how we approach, approach evaluation here. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, that's really a very interesting and unique approach. And I especially like the focus on improving, not proving. That's, that's really great. Um, so how did y'all develop this approach? Yeah, so that gets into a little bit of the history of kind of where um, M&E and then LM&E came from at Hope. So initially, uh, the, the impetus to start this was really from one specific survey that uh, we wanted to do to kind of assess the change that was happening in client lives. Um, and so that, they called it the Hope Quotient. Um, that kind of was started off with a contractor who helped us develop that. Um, and then once the survey was kind of developed, they brought me on to help implement that and roll it out across the network. Um, and we learned a ton from doing that. Um, and we were kind of coming to the end of our, our three-year process of, of having that rolled out and implementing it. It's a longitudinal survey, and so we'll, we'll talk more about it later. But that was kind of the very first foray into evaluation. Up to that point, we had definitely done evaluations at the program level, evaluating you know, our financial metrics, our portfolio at risk, things that any institution, any microfinance institution needs to be monitoring and evaluating. But we hadn't really been doing much at the client level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of the first time that we had done something like that. And what we started to realize is this is like this is helpful information, it's useful, but it's not, there's a lot of other aspects of feedback that we need to be hearing from clients. And so that led us to develop a lot of other tools to try out some new things. Um, and it kind of started developing from there from more of a single focus on one tool to a broader spectrum effort to evaluate and to listen um, to, to our clients. Um, and so then that's when the team started assembling. I mean, before there was, there was kind of me and some other people that were doing this as side projects. Um, but then that's when, once we kind of started branching out and doing more than just the Hope Quotient, uh, Rebecca came on full time. Um, and then Peter, who's our boss, uh, came on full time. And so now we actually have like a team of people dedicated um, to not only uh, developing these feedback loops, but also engaging the rest of the network um, and helping to, like Rebecca kind of said, build that interest and build that capacity um, in, in all of our field programs. Um, and so then in terms of like how we actually developed that strategy, we just did a team retreat at the beginning of last year, um, of 2017. We uh, kind of defined like what, what is our vision, what's our big um, ideal goal for uh, M&E at Hope and how do we get there and so working through some of those questions we did a bunch of different collaborative exercises uh, and that's where we came up with our mission um, with our strategy and kind of some of those big goals that we just touched on and we've been reevaluating that as time goes on we do a mid-year retreat as a team um, and that was really helpful digging into like who are our stakeholders really and like how do we serve each of them mm-hmm. um, and then we just did a re-examination of our goals and kind of updating them uh, for this year and kind of put them into a logic model framework um, to sort of say, you know, what's the logic model for how we produce change um, on our team? So yeah, that's that's kind of the, the history lesson behind how do we get to this point. So basically it sounds like it was really easy and you did it really fast. 
Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, you'll we'll hammer this out in a week, and you'll be good to go. <laughs> Perfect. That's, that's what we wanted to know. We can end the podcast now. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, I really love just, and listening to you talk, that intentionality behind uh, being really stakeholder-focused and driven, but also... Uh, involving your whole team and really the whole organization, right? Because whatever type of framework you're going to design for M&E has to be supportive of the overall mission and vision of the organization, which is not always an easy uh, connection to make. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it can be really hard to harmonize those two because there's just, there's a lot of different people, you know, and a lot of different priorities and, yeah, trying to, I feel like, evaluation teams usually tend to have to juggle a few more, um, I don't know, competing interests than some other departments sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a balancing act. Mm-hmm. Great. So we've heard you use uh, the lm or the listening, monitoring, and evaluation uh, terminology here a couple times, and, and that's, you know, sort of the, the name of your team. Admittedly, I've never heard... I think listening um, actually as a part of the M&E acronym. So could you uh, just give us a little more or give us a little insight into why that's the, the acronym you chose for your team with the focus on listening? Yeah, absolutely. Listening comes first for us because we believe listening affirms the dignity of those we serve, gives them a voice in the solution, and sheds light on what to measure and how to measure it. So we believe the act of asking clients for feedback is both a way to honor them and to gain understanding for the sake of improving our effectiveness for the kingdom. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with what Rebecca said. I think additionally, it kind of helps emphasize that, like M&E is a defined discipline, I think, and there's like a, you know, best practices and there's a whole industry out there about how to do M&E. Um, and I think one of the things that we were trying to emphasize by adding the listening component is that this doesn't have to be something that's really technical and really specific to this one team on the organization and that it, it's something that we should be doing as an organization as a whole. Um, and so like with that, when that was introduced a couple of years ago, there was also, it was kind of companioned by this uh, push to say, you know, any can be easy. It can be as simple as sitting down and talking to a few clients and understanding their perspective um, if you're a field program manager or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of trying to bring in a little less, a little, a little more of the informal side of it and saying, you know, this is still a valuable part of what we do is just sitting down and listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I think that really, like you said, affirms the dignity of, of the folks that you're serving and puts the stakeholder first, which I can see is an emphasis uh, throughout your whole entire approach to M&E. Yeah, it, it definitely is. So you mentioned uh, earlier in the conversation, uh, Josiah, I think it was you, some of the additional tools that you have developed um, just using the HOPE quotient as a launching pad and kind of realizing, you know, hey, this tool is great, but we still have other questions that we really want to answer. So could you kind of tell us a a little bit more about what some of those tools are and maybe how they've better enabled you to serve your stakeholders? Yeah, for sure. So I'll start with the Hope Quotient. I didn't really explain too much of what it was. So um, the Hope Quotient is kind of our flagship product, I guess you could say. Um, it's it's a longitudinal survey. Uh, like I said, we used some outside contractors to help us develop it initially. Um, we ended up pivoting quite a bit and kind of adding on a bunch of different stuff and changing some things. 
Um, essentially, though, it's a, it's a benchmark survey. We try to get a cohort of clients um, as soon as they join the program, uh, and then we follow them for three years uh, and administer the survey once a year. Um, and then we look at change over time in, in that group. So, so far, we've uh, developed it and implemented it in seven different countries. Uh, we've had um, almost 1,400 individuals uh, that have participated, um, and since we're interviewing them multiple times, uh, it's about two and a half thousand, or yeah, two and a half thousand interviews that we've done. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's been a big effort. Um, Rebecca has been leading that nobly, um, and just a lot of data to be looking through and combing through. One of the things that we found though, like you'll notice there, I never mentioned a counterfactual. We don't really have um, a, a defined counterfactual. Uh, there's kind of like a tacit counterfactual sort of built in um, with the time variable, looking at like entry to the program and then like three years post entry. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's not what anyone would call, you know, an actual counterfactual. And so that's led us to a lot of questions and to wrestle a lot with our evaluation approach to say, you know, how do we use this data well? What can we say? What can't we say here? Um, and it's kind of gotten us to this point where we're, we're actually in the, in the process. Like I said, we, we committed to like a three-year cohort, and most of those cohorts are finished up now. So we're in the process of redesigning that, doing um, what we're calling Hope Quotient 2.0. Uh, and Rebecca's leading that as well and she's doing an awesome job really looking at it from the groundwork up and saying like, okay, how do we want to approach this from a theory standpoint? Um, let's make sure we have the voice of all the stakeholders represented here. Um, let's make sure that we have a tool that has actionable data that's coming out of it and not just something where we'll write a report and it's, it's interesting and people engage with it, but there's not really any clear um, way to apply it to, to what we do mm -hmm. and any way to really improve outcomes for stakeholders. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's the hope quotient. Um, a few of the other tools, um, we have something that we developed internally called the dream catcher. Uh, and that is sort of modeled off of a tool called SenseMaker, um, which I've been just fascinated by. Uh, what it does is it uses micro narrative uh, with quanti or quantitative follow-up questions to sort of quickly assess um, really whatever you want, but it, it's a way of, for, of, of merging the qualitative and quantitative. Um, you know, you have a lot of issues with qualitative where it's, it's tricky to gather the data and even harder to analyze. Um, and so this kind of merges the, the qualitative aspects that help people, I mean, people think in narratives, they don't think in multiple choice. Um, so it allows people to kind of give answers in, in more of a narrative form, um, but then also provides rapid analysis through quantitative follow-up questions. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's one tool, uh, what we, we call it the dream catcher because it focuses on what are the dreams of our clients. Um, that's kind of uh, embedded in everything that we do is in our mission statement. Um, and so we really focus in on what are those dreams and then how does hope contribute to you of pursuing those dreams. Um, another tool that we have, um, Net Promoter Score, uh, that's something that's pretty standard in kind of the American context where we're looking at customer service. Well, we found that it's really rare in the developing context. People <laughs> just aren't asking, you know, how are we doing? Would yeah. you recommend us to a friend? Um, and so that's, we're, we're trying to figure out how to adapt that for the context that we work in, um, how to make that relevant. But really the heartbeat there is just customer satisfaction. Do customers like 
and appreciate the services that we're offering? Is this something that they are a promoter for? Um, yeah, some other tools that we have, uh, we, like I mentioned, I've been kind of digging into design a little bit and like design methodology and how that applies. So we kind of developed a little bit of a template around what we're calling design retreats. And these are usually product focused um, or something around innovation for, uh, for a specific program. What we do is we take a bunch of data, usually data that we've already collected um, in some of our M&E activity. Uh, and we have this anywhere from three days to five days, we'll have this retreat where we dig into that data, we find themes, um, we come to what are called how might we questions, and then we brainstorm how to solve these, these questions that we've come up with. And it, there's always a focus. Um, we've done three, you could say four of them so far. Um, two of them were, were focused on um, loan products. How do we get new loan products um, that serve clients? Uh, one of them was focused on spiritual integration in our existing programs and how do we do that in, in new and innovative ways. Um, so it's really focused on innovation for a specific program and a problem that they're facing. Um, we also, like Rebecca said, we're really focused on responding and responding to research needs that, that arise throughout the network. So uh, we've done a variety of different research uh, kind of one-offs with different people. Um, one that we're engaged in now is we have a lot of volunteers in our savings and credit, um, our SCA programs. Uh, and so we're trying to understand what's the engagement level of those volunteers? Uh, how long are they staying with the ministry? Um, how do they view this? Uh, they're, you know, they're volunteering for their church, but is this something where they are, you know, like they view this as like, this is something that I do as part of my ministry and part of my participation in church? Or is it something that's, you know, a casual opportunity that they're like, that seems like a cool idea? Or is it something where they're you know, hoping to, that this turns into like a paid position? Like, what are the expectations there? So we're doing some research around that, around volunteer engagement. Um, I, I helped uh, one of our MFIs with some client retention um, research, uh, calling clients that have stopped taking loans and, and digging into why did they, why did they stop taking loans? Um, so a bunch of different things there in the responsive tool category, and it's pretty broad spectrum. As you can tell, it's, a lot of it's not really traditional M&E, &E. um, and I mean, even some of the tools that I mentioned, like MPS, I, I don't think would be usually categorized under a traditional M&E role, but um, it, we've, we've kind of been become the de facto place to go to when there's research questions or research needs. Um, maybe we're not leading it, but we're, we're usually involved in it in some way. Um, and then we've had some tools that haven't really worked out um, like we planned them. We, we try to do a financial and spiritual diaries project, which was really cool. It was a good idea. Um, we just didn't plan for it well, didn't resource it correctly. Uh, and we found some really interesting things, but it was something that we ended up pivoting away from. Um, and then we did some other things around process mapping. Um, we had something called the Moments That Matter project. Uh, and that was really helpful. It was really useful, uh, but it was kind of more of a one-off thing, and we haven't we haven't continued to pursue that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so that's that's a brief overview of, of some of the tools. I make it sound like there's like so many things that we're doing, <laughs> and there kind of is, but like the core is really the hope quotient. I'd say that still takes up uh, probably fifty to sixty, maybe seventy percent of our time. What do you think, Rebecca? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
it's it's a it's a massive amount of what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're hoping that as we redesign the Hope Quotient and create a lighter tool that's more action oriented and um, owned and managed and led by the field, that that will free up our time to focus more on these responding activities because we found that these have been particularly fruitful in continuing to invest in and build a culture of listening as an organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's, it kind of sounds like we could actually probably do a whole nother podcast on either the Hope Quotient or all of these tools alone. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to dig into there. We would, I would, I would like to interview you on the Hope Quotient. Honestly. Like, we need feed, we need like feedback from other people about like, hey, what do you think about this and this idea? So, yeah. That's awesome. I like that approach. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you for for sharing all that with us. I think it's really helpful to know too. Um, how you're dividing your time and sort of where your focus has been, because I think it's really different for every organization in terms of are you more responsive um, with with the tools you develop and with, with your time, or do you have maybe this overarching kind of evaluative tool that you've been working on? A lot of organizations either have one or the other, but y'all have yeah. both, which I think is a really interesting, you know, um, situation. Yeah, and it's, it's varied over time. I mean, I, when I first came here, it was very much like single tool focus, like kind of implement this, like mm-hmm. get the results, analyze it. And I think it's morphed a lot since then to where we are really becoming a lot more responsive um, and, and starting more. It's like I think with any evaluation, the more you can start with the what are we trying to find out here and like working on that research design phase, the better your evaluation would be. So I've been, mm-hmm. I've been really happy to see us pivot more towards that and less towards a, like single tool focused, like just getting this data from this tool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's been really good. But yeah, it still is like, it's, it's definitely, uh, yeah, there, it's, like I said, it's a lot of, it's, there's still a lot of work just to implement these tools. I'll jump in, kind of building on what Josiah was saying in terms of how we split our time as a team as a whole. We're also in some interesting discussions right now in terms of our uh, different focuses within our team. Traditionally, we've divided by tool, um, and I've worked more on the core tools, and Josiah has led um, our design thinking efforts and more of the responsive tools. And one thing that was raised to our attention just this week in meeting with some program leaders was around um, how we communicate with programs. And so one thing we're planning on implementing moving into the new year is having an element rep or a business partner, mm-hmm. their point person for each program, um, and thinking about creative ways. So instead of programs saying, okay, if I'm working on this tool, I'll contact Josiah. If it's this tool, I'll contact Rebecca. Just trying to simplify that communication process while working out of our strengths as a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Kind of centralizing um, the communication there would probably be re- really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing, too, that, like just on the time split, I think we've realized over the last year, like communication is such a huge part of what we do um and like i think initially like when we created our plan in 2017 it was kind of like you know very tool focused very like here's the research we need to do yeah we need to write a report and communicate about it but i think this year coming into it one of the big things i noticed when we did our annual planning was like there's much more of an acknowledgement that like really engaging with stakeholders creating you know, reporting structures that make sense for them, 
um, sitting down and talking to them, having meetings where we go through this stuff and like having follow-up, just building buy-in, creating you know easy email blasts that make stuff accessible and interesting to people. It's just like that's a huge part of our work that I think is like sometimes neglected and mm-hmm. I yeah I don't know one of my things is I feel like we could do twice as much with half the amount of data like as evaluation people I feel like we're always so focused on the data um, and sometimes we miss the opportunities to use that data and leverage it in new and exciting ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah it was really interesting when we were reflecting on this past year and taking stock of ways that um, we've especially seen fruitfulness and God's provision a lot of those were in terms of investing in a culture of listening and areas where we've grown in relationships with other departments throughout the organization and a a minority of the things that we were grateful for were the actual tools the things we invested the majority of our time for they were there but the rest of it we yeah we're thinking more intentionally about how do we budget for communication in terms of our time and recognize the fruitfulness of investing there Mm mm-hmm that, that's a great point because it takes a lot of intentionality to do that. I mean, we all get so excited about the things we're developing and the, the data we collect and how meaningful it is and then forget that we there's a bit of translating work we often have to do um, throughout the ministry to kind of impress upon people like the, the magnitude of the information that we've collected. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Oftentimes I... I think as evaluators, we can think of our role more in the beginning phases of the feedback loop, manage the administration, and help facilitate some of the discussion of learnings. And this year, I've really just grown to see our role as evaluators, as facilitators of learning, not just producers of content, but our responsibility mm-hmm. to steward that content and information well um, by meeting our different stakeholders where they are. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's a great point. Well. Uh, I think that's all probably the time we have for to uh, for this podcast. So I'd really like to thank both of you for sharing how Hope approaches M and E and your experience, and then especially some of these lessons learned and really your heart to serve. So thank you so much for the work you're doing and for being willing to share that with the um, research community at Accord. Absolutely, it's our pleasure. Yeah, it was great. Great. So. Could you both tell us, uh, for people who want to learn more about Hope, about uh, both of you, where can people find you online? Josiah and I would love to connect with others that are on similar journeys or are beginning that journey or have been walking this road a long time. We are eager to learn and share together. And um, there are also some resources that are posted on our website related to our evaluation approach. Um, Our core evaluation for the Hope Quotient, the full-length survey is available as well as some research briefs, some three-page summaries of highlight learning. So those can be accessed at hopeinternational.org slash resources. And then you can click on the tag either listening or monitoring and evaluation. All right, great. Well, thank you both again for being with us today. Thanks so much, Kristen. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already and email us at ARA at AccordNetwork.org to send ideas about who we should talk to next or any other suggestions you have on what you would like us to unpack on this podcast. Until next time.